What's up, Internet? Welcome back to another episode of The Terror Table, a horror movie podcast that is presented by the Saskatchewan Podcast Network. My name is Mitch, and you have landed on our first episode of our Sasquatch series, in which Boozy and I welcome pro wrestler Michael Allen Richard Clark to discuss Willow Creek from 2013. We kick this episode off by talking to Michael Allen Richard Clark about his time training and performing as a professional wrestler, his unique upbringing with horror movies, as well as a few reviews on some flicks that the three of us have watched recently. We will be back next week to continue our Sasquatch series with The Legend of Boggy Creek from 1972. After that, we will be closing the series out with Exists from 2014. You can follow Michael Allen Richard Clark at Team Flex Appeal on Twitter or at his full name on Instagram. You can also follow us on all social media platforms or reach out to us at theterrortable at gmail.com or on our website at theterrortable.com. But until next time, let's pitch a tent and camp out with this episode of The Terror Table. Way up on the mountainside, look what I found. Great big man tracks sinking in the ground. It's a legendary Sasquatch, are all harping on. But old Bigfoot, he's been there and gone. He's big around the middle and he's brought across the rump. Going 90 miles an hour, taking 40 foot a jump. Ain't ever been caught or ever run up a tree. Michael Allen Richard Clark, welcome to the Terror Table. How's it going, man? Pretty good. Thanks for uh, thanks for getting me on. I've been itching to talk horror with somebody. Hell yeah, man! So well, this is the perfect people for that. Yeah, absolutely. So boot like uh, the voice you're hearing right now is Mitch. Uh, I don't. We've never. We haven't formally met in person. Uh, we, we also have Boozy here. Boozy, say hello. Hello. <laughs> Uh, Boozy and I have been to your events. Michael Allen Richard Clark is a professional wrestler. That's correct, I guess. Yeah, that's a pretty basic way to put it. Yep. Which of your four names would you like to be called? <laughs> I guess my first one's fine. Michael's good. <laughs> or how about Or do you Mark? have like a cool nickname? <laughs> yeah, people shorten it to Mark, like make an acronym of it. I, I don't really care. Well, I'll, I'll go between Mark or Mike or whatever, whatever works. But either way, today we have we have we're so excited to have you on to talk about your love for horror movies, uh, wrestling, and as well as you'll be on our first episode of our Squatch season series, which we'll be talking about Bobcat Goldthwaite's Willow Creek uh, from 2013. Um, but before all that, let's just uh, let's open up the floor. Let's talk about let's talk about some wrestling. I know Boozy's got some questions for you in regards to wrestling. We we've been to a couple of your events. Um, recently we've had on a uh, friend of the show, Mitch Clark and Jude or the cheetah bear, Jude Dawkins. We've had both of them on and we normally have another co-host with us. His name's Kyle, but I think what he, he wasn't on for either of those episodes. And so he he's hates not on, wrestling. He's not on for this say. episode. So what I'm gathering is I think Kyle's scared of masculinity. <laughs> <laughs> That's my best guess. <laughs> but, uh, cause my, Michael Allen, Richard Clark is for sure. I would say, like, uh, not to make things weird, but you're the you're the beefiest dude that we've ever had on the show. Oh wow, that's uh, quite the well, honor there. Yeah, I well, may not you... be the toughest, but as long as I'm the beefiest, that's all that matters. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I guess you and Jude and Mitch are all pretty beefy. You guys are all well, you're all a part of the Prairie Pro Wrestling, which we've talked about many many times on this show. Uh, I'm I'm new to it. I only I've only been to two events. I was I didn't grow up as like a wrestling fanatic like Boozy and uh, 
Jude and Mitch, and I'm sure you you have been. So uh, let's get into that a little bit. But I'm just I just want to say, as someone who went into went to those shows, not a fan of wrestling or not really knowing much about wrestling, uh, your matches in particular really they stand out. Like you're you're incredibly talented at your craft, and uh, you're always one of the headliners of the shows. And uh, it seems like it's for a good reason. It seems like you have a promising career ahead of you in this in this art this art uh, sports form. Yeah, yeah, I uh, I appreciate the the kind words. I mean, we just do our best. And like you said, you're impressed. Like you're not really a wrestling fan, but I've heard that lots. Like people come to shows and they seem to really enjoy themselves. I mean, you get to have some drinks and you, it's just like free live. Well, I guess not free, but live entertainment that. And people don't know what to expect, and they always seem to be coming out like impressed. I guess. Absolutely, man! It it's an absolute blast, and uh, both both times that I've seen you fight or uh, wrestle, I could have I could swear that I saw you break your neck. So <laughs> I think that that's a that's a sign of how good you are at your job. Is that you're uh, you're showing how like it, it seems like you truthfully take a beating in there. Also, you hand out beatings as well. Um, but it's just, it's so damn impressive to see how you can, uh, walk out of there, like, you know, without a limp. Yeah. Well, what, what matches did you see? Mind me asking, did you see me versus Michael Richard blaze or who, who, yes, who, we did. who did I see? I saw the, the, okay. yeah, the redneck guy, uh, and then Creed, yeah. Oh, yeah, him. And then uh, blaze, is he the guy who wears even smaller shorts than you do? <laughs> yeah i guess so he's also like a very flippy kind of guy yeah he's really good as well yeah actually uh he's one of my favorite people to wrestle for obvious reasons because we just can go um we both actually had a wwe tryout last summer so he's obviously oh, so you got to go to the performance center and everything no we didn't we uh for SummerSlam weekend, they're up in Toronto, so they had the okay. first ever like all Canadian WWE tryouts. So they invited people from all over Canada and flew everybody in for tryouts. And I was the only guy from Saskatchewan, and Blaze was the only guy from Alberta that actually went. So, but Blaze went for obviously good reason because he's also extremely talented. Yeah, yeah and, and we uh, beat the he beats the piss out of you when you're in the ring. Like we beat the piss out of each other. Like. <laughs> You're saying it looks like you broke your neck. Well, for fuck, that guy drops you on your head. He he don't he don't uh, ease up on you. That's for sure. And especially when your your buddy's outside the ring, you're you're even a little more rougher than usual. I'd say. Yeah, that makes sense because you'd seem like you have a little bit more trust in each other. Yeah, and it's just like I don't know your buddies. So like you can get away with you know tagging somebody a little harder, or a little more, right? So how did uh, how did all that begin? How did you get into pro wrestling? And like I'm sure there's going to be some form of correlation with horror but let's let's tackle the wrestling stuff right here so like how did this all begin um well i've always been a fan i was a fan when i was a kid one of my friends got me into it when i was about seven but i had remembered my brother watching it before and that was i used to live in bc and then i uh my parents retired out to manitoba and i always wanted to wrestle like in the when i was in high school and stuff like i had a trampoline and I was doing lots of dumb stuff off of it. Like just like I looking back, it's just, what are you doing? But like flip bumps just straight onto the grass off the trampoline, just real stuff. <laughs> yeah. I don't know why, but I, I swear that's why I picked up things like pretty decent. Cause you get used to falling on a trampoline. It's no different than a ring other than it's a little harder, but you just got to have confidence right. in when you fall. But I uh, was looking up when I was 19, 
I, I moved here when I was 17 for hockey at the time in Regina. And uh, I had bounced around playing some junior hockey, like in Manitoba and in Saskatchewan. And I ended up in Regina and I was kind of like, okay, I want to get up to a certain weight because I've always been like a smaller kind of kind of guy, like a skinnier guy growing up. And uh, I got up to like 195. I think my goal is 200 pounds. It wasn't a good 200 pounds, but I was like, at 195, I'm like, okay, I'll train to be a wrestler. And I was 19, so I started looking up wrestling around here, and I managed to stumble across uh, HIW, like High Impact Wrestling. And I'm like, oh, I wonder if they come to town just once in a while or if they're like a mainstay. So I looked them up. No, they're here every month. So I decided to go to a show, and, you know, you don't know shit, but you're like, oh, if they're good enough, I'll let them train me sort of thing. And then I guess I deemed them good enough, and then I went down and trained. And what a what an interesting world that you don't expect out of pro wrestling. Like, literally training outside, like, in the middle of the hood in Regina. <laughs> like, because, like, where we uh, trained was at, at this garage in the backyard of a house that front of the house was like the house was rented out but this guy just rented the garage for the ring and he used to work on cars our old promoter and stuff so we trained outside in the middle of the hood and i remember one summer the next summer the house was actually rented out and they were dealing drugs out of the house because there was people coming in and out of the yard you needles everywhere it was a real uh real treat and real eye-opener for the world for when you're like 19 and it's just like holy shit because where i grew up in manitoba was like a town of 40 people so you don't see that shit around but yeah so that's how i became a a pro wrestler essentially long story short (laughs) um couple quick questions just to pick up with your story along there did you have any wrestlers when you were growing up that you like particularly gravitated towards in terms of like just like who i liked growing up or yeah you know, I've always, this ties into the horror a little bit, but I've always liked, you know, big brooding masked guys. It sounds kind of funny. Like, in horror, Jason's my guy. Like, I love Friday the 13th. Like, okay. I love those films. I love the mask stuff. Uh, Kane was my favorite growing up. Like, I grew up in the late 90s, so old school mask Kane was my all-time, he's still my favorite. Kane's just my all-time favorite. I'm very loyal when it comes to favorites and stuff. And I also liked, I liked Abyss a lot because when he came around, I was kind of getting into my teens and I feel like everybody, when they get into their teens, they kind of go through a hardcore phase. So then Abyss was right there, like basically a hardcore cane, right? Yeah. So I I really enjoyed him. It's unfortunate that his, oh, sorry. Oh, sorry. Go ahead. It's unfortunate. I was just going to say, it's unfortunate that his career turned out the way it did. I feel like he could have made a lot of, a pretty big impact in WWE if he would have went there. Well, I had heard that he was actually supposed to go when Mark Henry wrestled The Undertaker at WrestleMania 22. I heard that was supposed to be Abyss. Yeah, it was. He turned it down for TNA and like, I mean, whatever. He's loyal to that company for so long. Yeah, like, I mean, good for him, I guess. But I I sort of agree. I would have loved to have seen him jump over. But I wonder if he would have had been able to keep the name and stuff. Like, they probably would have had to change that. But it was kind of cool. that That was a really fun gimmick. Yeah, yeah. And it was like very similar to like an old school kind of cane brooding monster controlled by Paul Bear or James Mitchell, right. you know, early okay. on. Except know, he was very poor. <laughs> I know like no, next to nothing about like when we had uh, Jude and Mitchell on last time, we were talking about wrestlers and like what I grew up with. Because like when I was very young, I watched wrestling. Like I, I uh, opted out like pretty much 
I was still into it when like the rock was still like a wrestler, like just mainly a wrestler, but the undertaker was always my guy. Is there some kind of beef with like the undertaker and Kane? Yeah. Like were you around? (laughs) How much time do you have? (laughs) Were you around when Kane came around or? Yeah, I I remember Kane, but like I, uh, I I think I didn't pay close enough attention. So if I just opened up a huge can of worms then let's just forget about it. I mean, Kane's like obviously undertaker's brother and there is, a Paul Bear had it was it was a great drawn fleshed out storyline that Paul Bear had this big secret to reveal of the Undertaker and that his brother was coming for him and Undertaker burned their home to a ground to the ground when they were kids and that's why Kane had to wear a mask at the time because he was horrendously disfigured and oh, he's cool. coming for revenge because Paul Bear wronged the Undertaker uh, Paul Undertaker wronged Paul Bear so he's bringing in Kane to deal out his revenge. And the whole time, of course, being a Kane fan, I didn't like The Undertaker because you're an enemy of Kane, you're an enemy of me, right? Like, <laughs> yeah. You're a ride or die. Yeah, oh, absolutely. But then when they teamed up, they teamed up like the Brothers of Destruction in like 2000, 2001, and it was like, okay, I'm cool with The Undertaker now, you know? <laughs> Yeah, I just liked the the Undertaker rolling out, like physically actually riding out on a mo- motorcycle to Limp Biscuits rolling. That was tight. Yeah, the American badass there. And that's like the least fun one. <laughs> that's like the last thing I remember of like my childhood in wrestling. I think that was the day wrestling died for me. It was funny because I grew up at the very end of Ministry Undertaker. So most of the Undertaker that I was exposed to as a kid was the American badass because I yeah. remember the summer when it was Kane and X-Pac against Undertaker and Big Show, and then Undertaker kind of disappeared because he had injuries, and that was right when I was starting to get into it. So then the majority of the Undertaker of my childhood was the American Badass. But now that I'm a wrestler, you, you obviously see things a little differently, and I mean, not saying I'm anybody right. special or whatever, but holy crap, was the Undertaker good. He was He's always been good, but like, that those first especially those early undertaker years he was so good i mean american yeah. bass mm-hmm. don't get me wrong but man i love that gimmick the early dead man stuff so fucking good how did you feel about the whole uh when when kane was finally unmasked against uh triple h that was man, a big I was, moment i was 11 and i was so like heartbroken and upset because that was just like like i said i loved the mask and i loved I mean, I didn't like the half mask Kane as much because he wasn't as monstery. He was becoming more fleshed out and human. But right. I, I don't know. Like, like I said, I was heartbroken looking back on it. That first like spell right after when he was like destroying everybody was like, man, that was actually pretty good. And you, so you're like your uh, your whole getup, like your I don't even I don't want to call it a gimmick. I just have a for lack of better words, like how your your get up when you're wrestling you have like these bright pink shorts like how did that come out of kane being a huge fan of kane or did you just want to pave your own path kind of kind of thing is that the route you wanted to go i'm a gym douchebag like that's my goal to get across like you know doing push-ups on people's back like uh, shit like that right the water jump i you're you're more so mr steal your girl (laughs) <laughs> wrist wraps the the jug if you want to be mr steel like i go right ahead but i that's like more what i'm i caught my through. girlfriend's eyes wandering way too much during your matches and it was pissing me off is she hot no, I'm <laughs> <laughs> obviously i'm not gonna be Kane. like i'm not seven feet tall i'm not 300 pounds of muscle like i just i can't and like 
as far as the bright colors go, when I first started, I wore orange because I don't know why I thought like this, but it was it's a good thing. Like I looked at what everybody else was wearing and I'm like, man, when I went to wrestling that that one time before I got trained when I was a fan, I didn't really remember anybody's names, but I remembered some of the stuff that people were wearing or like something that someone did that was kind of cool. So I'm like, hey, people might not necessarily remember my name, but maybe like think about it. If you're like, hey, remember that guy in black? It's like, well, which one? Like a lot of yeah. people were black or blue and shit like that. But maybe if someone was like, hey, remember that guy in orange? Yeah, I do remember that guy because he was the only guy wearing orange. So I just really like bright colors. Like I don't really give a shit about the colors. It's just bright and it's something you remember yeah. that I wore pink and green or just pink or whatever. I just like like bright colors because maybe someone will remember, hey, remember that kind of decent shaped guy that wore pink? <laughs> yeah, I do remember that guy. Right. The guy that did push-ups, you know, shit like that. So obviously yeah. I can't take from Kane because he's so different, but I can watch guys like I became a big fan of Chris Jericho. Like I took a lot from him and like people like that. Uh, I remember, oh, I think this was what a year and a half ago when you wrestled Cody Rhodes, and that was a that was a really fun match at the oh where was that? Uh, that, that was off was Central there. Well, that was at the Curling Sutherland. Curling yeah, Curling. yeah, yeah. So my question to you is like, who's been your favorite person to wrestle outside of your friends? Like the you know the people they bring in because you seem to handle quite a bit of those. Cody Rhodes was a lot of fun. Like we didn't do a lot, but yeah. that really. That was the first time, like, I'd wrestled other guys like Eugene, and I've been in the ring with Kenny Omega, and I've, like, I've wrestled other people, but I've never had, like, a singles match. Right. And that singles match against Cody Rhodes was my first, like, real name, as you call it. And mm-hmm. that really, after that match, I was like, holy shit, like, I didn't know what to expect, but I was like, man, I'm not saying I'm as good as Cody Rhodes or anything, but, like, I can keep You held your own, 100%. I can keep up with this guy. Like I'm, I, he's not out of my league. Like, yeah. like it's not like he's miles fucking ahead of me or anything. It's like, man, I was there. I sized up pretty well. I kept up with him. Like we had a good match. Like we meshed well together for, you know, I mean, he's a consummate professional. Don't get me wrong. Mm-hmm. But like that really made me feel good about myself and gave me a lot of confidence. It's like, okay, like maybe I can make mm-hmm. a run and do something with this. And he did such a great job of picking up on your character right away because it wasn't just, you know, him getting all the spots. He definitely let you shine in that match. Absolutely. He he did give me a lot. And it was funny, like, here's a little pulling back the curtain. But before the match, he was he he asked me to uh, to low blow him, like go do some heel <laughs> stuff. And I'm like, yeah. I'm sorry, man. But no, like. I can't, like, he probably thought, like, oh, who's this fucking asshole or this douchebag, right? Right. And I'm like, man, no, I can't. And then after the match, he's like, man, you were right. You are really over. Like, I should have went heel. That's what he told me. <laughs> mm-hmm. what, which is an amazing compliment to get. Yeah, like, I mean, who knows? Like, he goes to all these towns and he wrestles these fucking Joe Schmoes. Like, I'm just another Joe Schmo that he wrestled. So, right. like, you probably have lots of guys being like, yeah, I'm super fucking over over here. And mm-hmm. then it's just like okay whatever you say bud but like you know I, i'm i'm not here to exaggerate or bullshit i'm probably one of the only ones right but i thought that right. was kind of funny that he kind of uh validated what i said okay and last point on you know uh, about the wrestling thing this is more of like a comment on not you but like some of the industry can we not have so many one wing angels and in a two count it's just like it really bothers me as a nerd for wrestling 
Hey, man, I've never done that move, so I've only taken it. (laughs) (laughs) I thought you may as well have been speaking Japanese there. I have no clue what that means. Oh, fun fact. Kenny Omega beat me with that. So, I mean, he pinned me for it. So there you go. Right. (laughs) So fuck Kenny Omega. I mean, he's allowed to do that, though. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, it's only his move, you know. (laughs) (laughs) No big deal. Uh, Michael, Mark, Michael, Allen, Clark. Mark. Michael, Michael Mark. <laughs> um, where, where did horror, where did, uh, where did horror begin for you? Because I know uh, we started talking after. Um, yeah, I'm not even sure how it, how it began, but uh, I think you you found out about the show somehow, and uh, you it we found out that you're a horror fan as well. And uh, I think I was uh, I was going through the Friday the Thirteenth movies, and you and I started talking a little bit. Um, so. Yeah. Let's uh let's open it up. Let's t- let's hear about your earliest memories with the horror genre and like what what the genre means to you today. Like, are you do you still consider yourself a huge fan, or are you do you more so kind of go back to your classics? Um, I absolutely am. Like, I think I saw Mitch. Like, Mitch Clark was on, and I'm like, oh shit! Like, you guys are out of like fairly local, like Saskatoon, I believe. So I'm right. like, I want to get on get on this shit. Uh, feel talking. free to shoot on him as well, like whenever you want. No, because yeah. he's a fucking UFC guy. He'd kick my ass. <laughs> I don't yeah, know if you can swear on first time, not, but... first time we had Mitch on, I was going to let him choke me out on air. Jesus. But, that's yeah, more that's... of a kink than anything, though. Yeah, it is. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, I, I was surprised. To... Why is he hard? Like, what's going on here? <laughs> It just it seems it seems like uh like we we've had a couple musicians on the show uh, who tend to play in like punk or metal and then we uh, we've now had you're the third wrestler we've had on the show and it seems like these types of cultures have a correlation with horror and it seems like the the fan base is kind of interjects there a little bit so um like you you had mentioned that you're a Kane you're a Kane fan and that you're a fan of his mask and everything um, where did it all begin for you? Um. I'm trying to think like some early memories of horror. I, like I remember I've always kind of it's sort of like heavier music. Like I always gravitated towards heavier music. I always kind of liked horror. Um I remember being really young and when on the old TNN before Spike TV on Friday the 13th they would play marathons of the Friday the 13th and stuff. And I remember being I don't know 7 or 8 like, I'd seen some horror before that. Like, I know I remember seeing The Birds when I was very young, and that actually kind of spooked me. I remember watching Jaws young, too, because my mom liked that movie. In terms of slashers, I think Friday 13th was sort of my first ones. And like I said, the TNN marathons, I, I remember watching, like, flipping back and forth. Like, when it would get kind of scary, you flip away. But watching some of the Friday 13th and, like, some of my earliest memories are those is like the climax in part three when jason gets hung i remember <laughs> that and i was like holy shit i remember flipping off after he got hung and i'm like whoa what did i just see sort of thing and like i know my parents would watch it once in a while so then when i got a little older i was probably i don't know 12 or something and i'd always kind of had a fascination with jason to a point because i'd every friday the 13th i would kind of you know put on some of those movies and my parents knew i liked them and I remember I got a call once, and my mom was in town shopping. I was home from school, and she's like, hey, all the Friday 13ths are here at Extra Foods. They're like five bucks each. You want me to grab them? I'm like, yeah, grab them all. So then we just sat and watched them all, and like that was just a thing with me and my parents. Is No matter the movie, whether it was horror or whatever else, we would just watch everything together. So we watched 
me and my parents watch all the Friday 13s, all the Halloweens, most of the nightmares, you know, things like that. But Jason's really the first one I can really remember, like, enjoying. <laughs> yeah, that's awesome. Yeah, and, like, you're you're one of the few guys that I know who you're very passionate about part three, which is, like, definitely, it's one of my favorites. It's actually, like, if I'm being literal, it's my second favorite Friday the 13th movie, which is, and I know it's your favorite. It's, it's an unpopular opinion uh, among Friday fans for that to be, your favorite but like i'm just here to commend you on that choice like i fucking love that movie and it's it's so goddamn good and it, it makes sense uh that you would enjoy it so much i don't know why it's so unpopular because you look at it like the steve minor ones like part two and part three yeah. like three and two are my two favorite ones yeah. and i just i really like the human jason aspect and like in part three i think brooker like they gave him a bit of a hunchback but i think he plays jason so creepy and I they agree. don't really shy away of showing him like once sure in the barn they kind of do and you know it's like building up but then when he finally gets the mask and he walks out and he shoots uh what's her name with the spear gun and then he just drops it and saunters into the like saunters away i was like holy shit he's here like just show the whole thing and then the climax too with uh the girl is like he they don't shy away from showing him and it's in quite an extended climax and she's not stupid like, they kind of play into cliches in terms of, like, her van dies, or she can't get it started, but then she flips it onto reserve and then drives away and then tries to hit him with it. And, like, she's just a smarter heroine, and then she hangs him and stuff and shit like that. Like, I don't know. I just think he was just such a great Jason in that movie. That's really what made it good for me. I agree. And he's so, yeah, like, he's fucking huge in that movie. Yeah, yeah, he's like 6'3 in real life, and he just looks huge, too. And, like, the thing is, part four, like, kind of bugged me in a way, because Corey Feldman I found, like, annoying, and I was annoyed that he killed, like, fuck off. But he, <laughs> they also gave him, like, these weird gross fingernails and tufts of hair. Like, what? Like, why? What are you doing? Like, why you got to make him, like, weird and gross? Like, <laughs> Yeah, it's, and it's the, weird. And how superpowers as well. Well, that didn't come along until I think yeah six six would be where those where that started and yeah uh, but but they they dra- they drastically changed his design in all the in all the movies and like so I guess it makes sense that if like you know the the third one works so well for you you're not going to be as open to the changes that they make in the further ones yeah although I do kind of like he shaved his head out of nowhere from two to three which is like eh, I can like. Maybe I'm turning a blind eye because I'm a little biased, but like, if you're gonna carry on just bald Jason with a mask, like, why do you give him weird tufts of hair and try and make him kind of gross? And like, he wasn't as flinchy in that movie, it seems, because like, in the third one, she comes out of the closet and she's like swinging a knife at him, and he's like flinching back, and then she stabs him in the leg, and you can hear him like, oh, like he groans, right? And that's why I like about part two is like. Amy or Ginny, I guess, is her name in the movie. She kicks him in the nuts and like stuff like that. Like, I don't know. Which it's it's in three that uh, the groin kill, right? Like where he's like walking, he's doing like a handstand. He's walking on his. Yep. Yeah. Oh man, so there's so many great kills in three. Yeah, and like I said, the spear gun's my all-time favorite just because he shoots her, and yeah. she's like who are you? You're not Shelly. What are you doing? And then he just shoots her. And then he like literally takes a step back, like sidearm drops the thing and then just like walks away slowly. Like, yeah. whoa. 
I think another thing that turns people off about Friday the 13th Part 3, which is something that I love about it, is Shelly. Like, Shelly, I, I think that character is great. Shelly's awful, honestly. He's such yeah. a bad actor. He's fucking yeah. terrible. Oh, he is. But but that's what makes him kind of funny. Like, he he's just like a fumbling idiot the whole time. Then he ends up being the one who gives Jason his mask. Yeah. I, I mean, I, I'm a pretty harshly critical guy when it comes to movies. And, like, the girl who was boyfriend or her the girlfriend of the hippie like she was atrocious as well oh, man. yeah <laughs> oh my god <laughs> shelly's dead and then oh. <laughs> yeah there's so many that's such a quirky movie but it's still it's so great well so you mentioned yeah you said halloween friday the 13th and uh nightmare on elm street you were watching with your family which is kind of weird so like were your parents covering your eyes when, when the boobs were yeah were i was gonna there? ask about the boob stuff no, man, like, I don't know, like, Letter my parents always kind of let me watch kind of whatever, like, I remember being in kindergarten and, like, watching Xena and Hercules and Law and Order and shit like that, like, they never really, they just, like, as long, I think it was just always, like, as long as you know it's, like, TV and it's not, like, don't do this, like, I remember growing up and kids weren't allowed to watch Power Rangers and stuff, and that, like, yep. floored me. But I guess I get that because you don't want kids fighting each other. But at the same time, I wasn't going around flying, kicking people and beating kids up because I knew, I guess I knew the difference between TV and real life. I don't know. They let you me watch that for later in life. You, that's what, yeah. It's just years and years of built up rage. That's why you're <laughs> wrestling now. That's why I wrestle. Yeah. <laughs> Shit. Well, that's awesome, man. So, like, yeah, your earliest, your early stages are Friday Thirteenth, Nightmare, Halloween. What about like uh, new stuff? Like, have have you been keeping an eye on the genre lately? Like, what's the kind of stuff that stood out to you over the last couple of years? The last number of years, like, I haven't. I guess the Halloween remake wasn't bad, but like my yeah, <laughs> my qualms with it though are like, hey, like we're doing the exact same thing again and we're retconning, like you don't have to retcon all the movies, like, yeah. or at least part two. I don't know why yeah. they retcon that one. But then it's just like, hey, remember that real famous shot where Michael fades into view behind Jamie Lee Curtis? Well, we're going to do it the other way around. Remember that shot? Remember this shot? Like they pretty much copied every single famous shot. <laughs> yeah, but that. they were but at the same time they were too good for those sequels that they were retconning. Yeah. Damn I, straight. <laughs> I mean I, I Davy O'Doyle's a big he's the Halloween guy, so I'm I'm not really one to I don't know them as well, but like after three, like they're all not very good in my opinion. I love three. Yeah. Uh, Boozy Boozy and I are pretty hardcore Halloween marks. Do you guys yeah. like three? Big, I love three. I know oh, yeah. three. I I love three. I think Boozy I know three doesn't have Michael, but I fucking love that movie. It's so like, and plus you got that guy with the I don't know his name, but the guy with the mustache. Like he's such Tom Atkins. Just, yeah, yeah, he's just such an '80s horror movie guy. Like he just looks like yeah. the perfect <laughs> cheesy '80s guy. Yeah, the he's got that like creep. Magnum PI vibe. He was in My Bloody Valentine's remake, actually. Yep, yep, yeah, he's great. That's awesome. As, as far as recently, though, like I, I can't. I've watched some recent horror, but I can't really think of anything that stood out as like good to me. Um, like I watched Hereditary with O'Doyle, and we were kind of not too impressed. Like, I got qualms with that movie. I just watched Midsummer not long ago, and that was once again that was like okay, like we're trying to be as weird as we can. That's how I felt about that movie. Okay. 
It was also like half an hour too fucking long. And same with Hereditary. They could have cut out 15 minutes of that movie for sure. Yeah, it's like the new the newer style just isn't really doing it for you these days. Or like No, like the mid 2000s had a good little spell because you had like I really enjoyed the Hills Have Eyes remake. I really so enjoyed good. Dead Silence. That's one that people don't <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> that was a weird movie, but like it scares you later on in life. I don't know. I just like dug it. Like you obviously turn your brain off a little bit but like hey it's not a bad movie they also had the my bloody valentine remake which wasn't bad and then the descent came out around then descent was good the first saw like i mean it's not a very good movie but like the ending if you haven't don't know the ending it's like holy shit oh man well i'm gonna be very curious to hear what you think of willow creek then (laughs) it's a very different kind of movie um but yeah yeah well, uh, do you guys want to get on to, like, we can talk about, uh, I know Boozy and I have seen a couple things that we want to knock off before we can get on to the main feature, but is there, are there any other horror movies that you want to mention before we do that, Mark? Uh, it was fucking garbage, both parts. <laughs> You're hard to please, huh? Well, I am very, I am very critical, like, but fuck that movie, like, I read... A lot of people don't like those ones, yeah. I read the book, and, like, I've bitch to everybody that i know about this but now i finally get to say it in a recording fuck that movie like the whole point of the book to me is a theme of togetherness like no matter how scared boozy you're you're fucking so scared but hey you're gonna do it so i have to do it too hey fucking so and so you're so mitch you're so scared but you're gonna do it so boozy knows that he has to do it but in that first movie they just split them up because fucking movie that's why and then the CGI was garbage. And Pennywise, like, what the fuck are you doing? Like, Pennywise... And they took out the child orgy. <laughs> yeah, I want my child orgy. No, but... <laughs> no but, comment. like, Pennywise is just fucking with them. Like, when he chases Eddie as the leper, and then Eddie gets stuck on the fence, and then he just stands there and, okay, and pops the balloon, and he's gone. Like, in the book, I don't know if you guys have read the book, or if you guys read books or not, but in the book, they, these kids, like, barely fucking get away. Like he all he's trying to kill each and every one of them, not just fuck with them. So that's my yeah. big problem with uh, with uh, Pennywise. And, I, I think yeah. you're not you're not alone on that one. I know. I think I I'm a little kinder to it. Out of all the people on the terror table here, I'm the most kind when it comes to those those movies. But uh, I'm really okay with like a rated R movie doing as well as they did because they did do well, and that's good because that means we'll get more rated R movies down the road. Because I think part one grossed like 700 million or something which is the highest grossing r movie of all time i believe yeah so i mean so, that's great yeah so like you you mentioned that you read uh you read stephen king's it like how are you a big reader as well then yeah i i go in spells of reading like i'll go for you know like a year you won't read nothing then you'll pound out like three books in like two months i've yeah. read a lot of a lot of stephen king like all his famous stuff so is there is there one that you just wish could get made or could get remade better Salem's besides Lot. it? Salem's yeah, Lot. Exactly. So, yeah, exactly. Yeah, I agreed. Agreed on that one. I would love to see a good Salem's Lot. I never watched the TV version, and it's really long. But I would love to see. I think I think that would be a good one to make. Is Salem's Lot? Yeah, man. So many people. So many people go to bat for that. Uh, Toby Hooper's Salem's Lot, that TV movie, and I as someone, I just watched it like not too long ago. Again, it's not good. I've never watched it. I it's on like my list eventually someday, but like I, yeah, yeah like I just want something that's 
real like close to the book and like here's another hot take a lot of people always say pet cemeteries they're like scariest book or whatever like i think that book's a little overrated i don't really i didn't really care for it yeah i love that book a lot of people say it's like his scariest book even king says that but i don't know which one do you feel like is the scariest one scariest um yeah yeah. man that's tough like dream catcher (laughs) <laughs> I enjoyed Dreamcatcher, but like King in the '90s and 2000s had some fixation with like handicapped or people with disabilities and like yeah, psycho solving PSP. everything. Yeah, like the regulators came out around then. That book fucking sucks. Just like these people being tied together by this person with a disability and they have ESP and stuff like that. Like I, I don't really care for the psychic telekinesis stuff. Like. I'd rather just have a straight book. Um, in terms of scariness, though, like Salem's Lot has to be up there. It, honestly, it was pretty spooky the first time I read it. It kind of spooked me a bit. Um, I'm trying to think of what else is really like Cujo. That's like the most depressing thing I've ever read. Not one happy thing happens in that book. <laughs> that was just some him like working out. Yeah. Just a lot of aggression. <laughs> I needed this. This is my outlet. <laughs> Uh, well, Boozy, do you want to hammer off a couple of reviews before we get on to the main feature? I have so many things. I hope you guys are okay with me, like, just going in here. Okay, well, then, you, uh, I know we watch one thing in common, so... Yeah. Uh, should we save that one for last, then? Sure. Okay, you you go. Okay, so the first one is, once again, I've been all over Tubi, because it's the best. Michael, do you do you know about Tubi? I do not. It's a free streaming service that you can download on like the PlayStation Network, or you get you, there's an app for it on your phone. Uh, but it just it, there's tons of horror movies on there for free, and it's just amazing. But Kyle, our other uh, co-host, he he refuses to get on it. Boozy just got on it recently, and he's discovering its riches recently. Why yeah, does he refuse a- to get on it? Because I think he seems too good to be true, maybe, or I don't know. He's just being a stubborn little asshole. Tubi has a whole bunch of like all the like some there's some like really deep pulls in there that you just can't find anywhere else. All right. So first one is I watched Arachnid from 2001. Uh, oh man, I've seen that movie. Very odd. Uh, there's I like the practical effects. They actually made a giant spider, which I, I thought was really cool. Uh, it roars randomly. I I hate when they just throw that in in movies. It's like the Jaws four syndrome. The the arachnid spider thing is also an alien. They later add in like it was a kind of you know like Stephen King just randomly adds that everything's an alien or from outer space. This movie did it as well. There okay, was thank you one, for spoiling it. <laughs> there was one cool scene where um, a girl sees her dead husband in this nightmare, but it turns like his face melts and it turns into a spider, and it was all practical effects. It was really cool. Uh, the rest of the movie is awful. No one knows how to act, but uh, it was kind of fun. Yeah, I rented that movie from uh, like VHQ or Movie Gallery, <laughs> like long, long time ago. I would have been like ten years old, eleven years old. Can can ten or eleven year old Mitch co-sign that it's a it's a weird movie? From what I remember, sure. I just remember I would put it in the same category as like Python, like those right. like straight to DVD, really terrible mon- like creature movies that. Oh man, yeah. Like I, I just remember it being a a goofy monster movie. 
Uh, next thing I watched, also on Tubi, because we're doing a Squatch season series, I'm trying to fit in as many Squatch movies as I can. And for some reason, Tubi is just a breeding ground for them. So first one I watched is Hunting Ground from 2017. It's also known as Valley of the Sasquatch. I'm not sure why, but it's Hunting of uh, or it's Hunting Ground on Tubi. Um, it's an interesting story, and I actually maybe this is me reaching really far, but it seems like there's an analogy for the colonization of North America in it. That's like the underlying tone of it. You have to really like Bigfoot movies to enjoy this. Um, it does what it can for character building and. And um, John Portovo, who is the director, has a couple other films on Tubi, and I might actually check them out. He seems like he's fairly competent. You have to really like Sasquatch movies to like this. Like, I wouldn't recommend this to very many people, just for, it's it's very low budget. Uh, yeah, I'll, I'll hammer off one. Um, so I only, I have two this week, and... Uh, one of them I posted about on Instagram that I watched recently. It was recommended to me by our friend John Allison of the Saskatoon Fantastic Film Festival. I watched the new Shutter film, The Pool. Uh, so it's an Indonesian animal attacks movie. So it's about a, a couple is stranded in a six meter deep empty pool with a crocodile. So it's one of those movies that's incredibly stupid, incredibly fun, uh, this is the kind of thing that Boozy and I have made it very clear that we like these types of this type of uh, horror movie. Like I'm a I was a big fan of Crawl. Uh, I love Lake Placid. Like obviously I'm always on the lookout for these types of movies. Um, this one is incredibly fun. It's intense at times. It's laughably ridiculous. Like the animal attacks are pretty insane. Um, but it follows a lot of similar beats that you've likely seen before. But it's 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 the humor that's mixed with like genuine scares that make this one stand out. Like it's a really goofy movie at times, but then it gets genuinely intense at times. And uh, the film gets moving really, really quickly. And you're shown all of the objects that this these characters are going to need throughout the movie. Like it's one of those movies that starts off and it shows like these characters are in peril and uh, he's going to need his insulin shot. He's going to need a cell phone. Uh, he's going to need to know where his dog is. He's going to need to know where the tape is that like all these things that he's going to need to escape from the situation. The director does a good job of showing you where all of those things are and how they're going to be obstacles throughout the movie for him to overcome. It's just, it's one of those movies where it's just a hilariously unfortunate series of events for this, this couple. The possible negatives that I could see some people taking out of it is there's some really corny editing techniques in it. Uh, like there's, for example, like there's times where he gets low blood pressure because he's a diabetic and the camera techniques are used. They're, they're kind of cheesy. They get like they do like this, like kind of shifty camera where he's, you know, just to, it, think about getting lightheaded. That's that's what they're trying to they're trying to convey. And like I get a, I get lightheaded a lot, but it's usually because I'm like thinking about what could have been if Tom DeLonge didn't like if he would have just stayed in Blink-182 and got the help he needed before he before even thinking about any of the Angels and Airwaves business. Weird, weird jab. <laughs> I don't know. I spent years trying to convince myself that I liked Angels and Airwaves, but I just couldn't. <laughs> I don't know why that's a part of my review. <laughs> um <laughs> I also think like some people are going to complain about how the crocodile looks in this movie, and I think those people are spoiled brats, boozy. This I film is finished a... it yet. I know, but the, this movie is a gift to us weirdos who love these nature run amok films. Uh, the crocodiles in eighty percent of this movie, like there, there are 
There are a few scenes where specifically when it's moving really fast that it does look quite digital. Like, I think for the most part, it actually looks really, really good, uh, especially for what the subject matter is and how how much crocodile they're giving us. I think they did a really good job with it. Uh, this was a recommendation, like I said, from John. And uh, I know that a, a bunch of other people, when he recommended it to, to us, uh, a bunch of people are saying that they weren't fans of it. And then uh, I went on to recommend it on my Instagram and I, I had Jason Hamill and Lauren. They're both listeners of the show. Uh, they reached out and th- they assumed that I have brain damage for liking it. <laughs> so <laughs> it's one of those movies that it's, if you, if you're not, a, if you weren't a fan of crawl, don't watch this movie. If you don't like those like goofy, like animal attacks movies, this might not be for you. But uh, I also know like Jeff Drake from uh, Prey Pro Wrestling. He, he wasn't a fan either, but I can't change who I am. I enjoyed it. <laughs> I, uh, I really liked it. So I encourage people who like those types of movies. If you're a, like me and, Adore Anaconda. Check this movie out. It's a good time. Adore. Yeah, Anaconda. and if you like, sorry to interrupt, but nope, you adore Anaconda. Wow. Man, I love Anaconda. That's I like, also love Anaconda. <laughs> but you gotta, you gotta. Uh, like, uh, I, I feel like it's rude to ask you how old you are on here, <laughs> but I feel like we're a couple years younger than you, and that movie would have came out at the perfect time for like an eight-year-old, seven-year-old boy. And that's well, what, what happened. Are you guys, I'm 28. Oh, we're wow, we're older than you. No. <laughs> I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> Way too rudely assume, eh? <laughs> wow, when Jesus. When did movie come out? 99, 98? Yeah, I think 90, yeah, 98. Yeah, so I would have been like six, so. Jesus, I thought you were older. No, man. Wah, wah. <laughs> All right, Boozy, what else do you got? This is another Tubi movie. It is called <laughs> Killer Bigfoot from 2009. Jesus um, Christ. It's, it's <laughs> Possibly a student film. It feels very much like a student film. Uh, as much of uh, a Bigfoot fan I am, I had to back out on finishing this movie. Uh, cannot recommend. Okay, and what's this one called again? Sorry. <laughs> Killer Bigfoot. Oh, see, I would have assumed that was a home run. I would have assumed that that like, one would have been really good. It, it just, it couldn't do it. I can't believe, like, you, you are the person who clicks on these movies. I know. Like sometimes I'm scrolling through Tubi. Jesus Christ, Boozy. Okay. (laughs) Uh, How many more do you have left? I have one more, and it's the one with you. All right. So uh, both Boozy and I I actually don't know what you thought of it yet, but I did uh, let you know that it is out now, um, and I believe we both watched it, and that is Relic from 2020. It's a brand new movie. Uh, this one, the synopsis is a daughter, mother, and grandmother are, are haunted by a manifestation of dementia that consumes their family's home. Uh, so this is a movie. I, I, I'm just going to say, I've said it before and I'll say it again. Australians know how to make great horror movies like this. This is a really good horror movie and uh, like there's really strong performances across the board. It deals with some really difficult material like mental deterioration. This movie's just dripping with atmosphere. Uh, this is a prime example of an independent horror film absolutely nailing what some of these like theatrically shown horror remakes like The Grudge and Rings attempted to they attempted to achieve, but they failed at. I personally feel like it's a similar story to something like it, this would play well alongside something like The Black Coat's Daughter or The Taking of Deborah Logan, which are both movies that I know uh, all of us at the Terror Table are fans of. 
Um, but good lord, people, give this movie a fucking chance and stop saying it's the next Hereditary. I know, uh, <laughs> Michael, you said that you weren't a fan of Hereditary, but like that, what that's a movie that has an uh, abundance of hype behind it, and uh, so there's a lot of people out there being like, "Relic is the next Hereditary," and I think that that's so unfair for this movie because a, it's not. Uh, B, it's just, it's a really good movie, but, and I think a lot of people will dig it, but not a lot, not all people will like it. Uh, but it's also like, this is going to be a movie that's going to be hit with like the overhype. If people keep on saying shit like that, like this is, this is not hereditary. It's just, it's a decent, it's a really good haunting movie. And, uh, there's some really cool practical effects. And I, I definitely think that this is one that people should see this year if, uh, if you want to pay attention to what's going on in the horror world, this is one to look out for this year. Boozy, what did you think of it? Um, definitely going to be on my top 10 for this year. I, I really enjoyed it when you said it's like taking of Deborah Logan. It, it's a lot like that, which if, if you do like that movie, I think there's a good carryover for it. And, and this is kind of I've talked about this so many times and it makes me sound like an idiot the more I talk about it. But it, it's the idea of like, I, I love this kind of possession haunting movie versus uh let's say like an insidious or something like that not to rag on that or uh you know movies along that line those more mainstream possession movies where it seems more like a a roller coaster and things are popping out at you whereas this movie actually makes you care about the characters and they do such a that's one of the best parts of this movie is it builds it up so you you have to engage with what's going on yeah i agree entirely like it's definitely a character focused movie it's not yeah. it's not built around jump scares or anything like that. It's built around this, like the the success of the movie is because of its story and how well it's got it's just a it's a it's a creepy grandma movie. Like to me this is like this is like a way better version of The Visit. <laughs> like the <laughs> M. Night I thought you loved movie. The Visit. I do like that. I really like The Visit, but this is like a like scary version. Right. Like there's actually, some genuinely scary shit in this movie. Yeah, it's it's weird. Like in there's some uh, really good like the uh, there are times where the the effects work. I was like, I wasn't sure if there were times where the effects looked better, but at the same time, it's all you got to commend them for actually putting prosthetics on these people. Mm-hmm. Like you can definitely tell it's not digital. Like in in a lot of places, it's it looks really good. Yeah, and it it deals with like kind of like you'd mentioned, uh, really. Uh, I don't know, uh, str- not strange, uh, important subject matter. Would that yeah, be really heavy? Really heavy. heavy, yeah. I guess that would be kind of what I was looking for, especially because if you've uh, lived through uh, what happens in the movie in terms of mental deterioration, it they played it the way it does actually. You know how it feels. And I don't know. the The ending is kind of beautiful in a way. It's sad, but it's also yeah. It was it was very beautiful. I think this is definitely more of an art film, and you know it just happens to have some really good scares in it. Yeah, I I definitely recommend Relic. I really enjoyed it. Well, uh, Michael, do you have anything else you want to mention before we get on to our main feature? Yeah, yeah. Uh, my only take was uh, Insidious fucking sucked. Fucking, that movie. Yeah, there we go. I fucking love that movie. Why? Like that, oh, like, it was so lazy because it was just like Buddy in a dark room the whole time. And then that goat thing, Darth Maul, Buddy, at the end, like... I laughed at that. I was like, what is this? And then it just was really bad. I I didn't like that movie. (laughs) Although I will say, I I know I didn't, I said I didn't like Hereditary, but like Tony Collette was like amazing. The acting was very good. Atmosphere was also very good. And that last scene when 
Um, the kid wakes up and she's like crawling on the wall and stuff. Who that was effective. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And that's my favorite part right there. Like, it's amazing. That's yeah. the best part, honestly. But like, I mean, I have problems with like standard cliches. Like, girl has a click or a tick. Like, she clicks her tongue. Literally, the only reason she does that is so you can identify her ghost later on. Like, there's no reason for it other than that. Just things like that kind of bug me, but right. Well, I can't wait to hear uh, what you love or hate about Willow Creek, which oh, we will I talk got, I about. I got a list. I got a mental list ready for you. So. <laughs> okay, perfect. Uh, all right. Well, we'll be right back with our main feature, which is Bobcat Goldthwaite's Willow Creek. What do you want me to say? Just keep talking. I got to adjust these levels. Check one. My boyfriend's a big idiot. Check one. I said that I I would come on this trip to help you with your film, and it's your birthday, and we're gonna have a great time. But I'm not about to say that I believe in Bigfoot. Hi, I'm in Willow Creek, Mecca, to the Bigfoot community. He's all over the place. Oh, there he is. There is a thing we call the curse of Bigfoot. Your friends will all think you're crazy, and you'll spend all of your days searching for something that you never find. I think we're getting close. There's a lot of people back in these woods that just don't like other people in their business. Turn that thing okay. off. Okay. Lucky for me, I know another way in. We're here. <laughs> <laughs> what is my sock doing in the tree? Oh my god. Look at this. Did you see this? Oh. So I may have just gotten some evidence. Did you hear that? For the first episode of Squatch Season, we will be talking about Willow Creek, which came out in 2013 and was written and directed by the legendary comedian Bobcat Goldthwaite. Uh, do you guys know who that is? No. <laughs> no? Okay. He, I feel like I should. He first became notable for his roles in a few of the Police Academy sequels. Uh, he was also in One Hot Summer. He's in Scrooged. Uh, he also wrote and directed and starred in Shakes the Clown. He's the voice of pain in Disney's Hercules. But he was also fined $4,000 for setting a couch on fire when he was a guest on The Tonight Show with Jay Leno in 1994. Uh, that was like, it went down in history as like one of the most famous like uh, live talk show segments ever. As Bobcat Goldthwait was like, I think he might have been on like tons of cocaine or something. I could be wrong, but I'm pretty sure he dabbled pretty hard with hard drugs then. And he just straight up set the couch on fire on live TV. So that was hilarious. Uh, he also he directed multiple episodes of The Chappelle Show, uh, Jimmy Kimmel Live. Uh, but his directing career took a really interesting turn when he wrote and directed one of my favorite black comedies, World's Greatest Dad, which was starring Bobcat's best friend, the late, great Robin Williams. Uh, he was best friends with Robin Williams for the majority of his adult life. Uh, also, like, uh, have you guys seen World's Greatest Dad? Nope. No, I've never even heard of it. Oh, my God. Okay, I got to share a story. So (laughs) World's Greatest Dad is about, like, uh, Robin Williams plays a high school teacher, and his son is, fuck, Kyle would be having a heyday here because 
His son is the kid from Spy Kids. I can't remember his name. <laughs> oh, um, he's yeah, one, one of the kids in Spy Kids. But um, <laughs> get this. So the first time I saw World's Greatest Dad is I was still living at home. This was I was in high school, I think. And my my dad rented it. And then I got home from school one day and he, he told me, he's just like, hey, Mitch, you should watch this movie. It, it really reminds me a lot of you. And I think you should watch it. So I was just like, OK. So I go downstairs and I watch it. This movie's about the kid, like Robin Williams' son is the world's biggest piece of shit. And he just sits in his room and jacks off constantly. Like he's he's a pervert and he's like obsessed with beating his dick. And he accidentally kills himself while choking himself masturbating. And the movie is all about Robin Williams faking his suicide note and making it seem like uh, writing like a really nice suicide note. Writing a really nice suicide note about his dad and how his dad was like the best and how he was like a disappointment to his dad and blah, 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 and how his dad's the greatest. And uh, that's what the movie's about. It's it's an amazing movie. I think it's on Tubi, actually. But it reminded your dad of you. Yeah, that's why I, I remember after I watched it, I went, upstairs, I went upstairs. I was like, what the fuck are you talking about? He's like, well, he, the son didn't appreciate all the things his dad was doing for him. I'm like, fucking shut the hell up. Like, are you kidding me? Like, this guy, the, the only time this kid's in the movie is when he's jacking off. Like, he also wrote and directed God Bless America, which is about a terminally ill man who pairs up with a teenage girl to go on a killing spree of the dumbest people in America. So I think he finds out he has like a month to live and he decides to go on a killing spree of like all these like they take jab they take like some hefty jabs at the at like American Idol and countless other reality TV stars and shows. It's it's fucking hilarious. I highly recommend checking out both World's Greatest Dad and God Bless America. Um, but after that, in 2013, he releases Willow Creek, which is a found footage horror movie about a couple following the same trails in which the info. The infamous Patterson-Gimlin film was shot in, uh, and they're on a quest to prove the existence of Bigfoot. Uh, so that leaves us with, uh, we can just start openly talking about this movie, but we will do a spoiler-free review about our general thoughts of this movie. I know that, uh, Michael, you're actually joining in on a pretty important episode for the Terror Table. We are, I think, well, fuck, how many episodes have we done now, Boozy? Is this? We're close to 170. I don't. I, I lost. I'm pretty that. sure we're past. I'm pretty sure we're in the 170s. But Willow Creek was like one of the first movies that me and you talked about. It's weird that I can I can watch this movie and and remember where I was and been like, oh man, this is when we first became friends. Yeah, because I think I I think I made a post about it on Facebook because I saw it at the what was the Saskatoon Fantastic Film Festival was the Dark Bridges Film Festival. Uh, They did a little one-off screening, and I saw it there at the Broadway Theater. Mm -hmm. And uh, I'll just get out of the way right now, and I'm super excited to have an open conversation about this movie because I know that this is a very divisive film, but I love this movie, and I I always have. I really liked it the first time I saw it as well, Um, but I shared about it on Facebook, and I think Boozy and I were friends on Facebook because... we we hung around the same music scene, and yeah. uh, you you asked me you're like uh, it's a Bigfoot movie is it a good one and I told you yes and then you said that you're gonna buy it I said if you don't like it I'll buy it off of you and then which uh, was really nice of you to say that honestly yeah well because I I felt I felt bad because I was like this is also not not your standard Bigfoot film this is not like. Someone who thinks that they're going in to see a Bigfoot movie, this this isn't uh, this probably likely isn't what you're expecting. 
Mm-hmm. Uh, but so I just said I uh, I've always loved this movie, and actually on this re this review rewatch, um, I've grown to like it even more. Uh, I do like there's a few qualms I have with it, but overall I just think it's a I think it's the comedy that I love so much about it. I don't know if it's a overly successful horror movie, uh, but I do think that the dialogue is fucking hilarious, and I think knowing about a lot of the I, I kind of became a weird like I'm a big Bobcat fan, so I I did a lot of like digging about like the making of the movie and everything when it came out, and then in preparation for this episode, I actually went back and watched some of the YouTube clips that uh, that I had watched back in the day. Like uh, Bobcat did a Q and A at Toronto After Dark when he initially showed this film, and I uh, share some really cool anecdotes about the movie that I'll I'll share when we start talking about spoilers. But yeah, I I'm I'm a fan of this movie, and I say if you haven't seen it. If you're a fan of found footage movies or like dark, dry comedy, then it's worth a watch. But if you're going in for a straight up Bigfoot movie, there's a good chance you're going to be disappointed. Let's uh, should we lead off with Boozy or Michael? I, I first will let Michael go ahead of me. But first, I just want to ask, Michael, are you a Bigfoot believer? Man, I'd really like to be like, I mean, I, I'm full blown like skeptic on everything like they're. You know, I, I like to try and see the reality and stuff and like, okay, this might be the situation, but like growing up in BC, like you'd hear stories around. So I, I would love for Bigfoot to be real. You're more Do you of remember Ogopogo any of these guy. stories? Well, like nothing too crazy. It's just like stuff you'd hear around or like see in books and stuff. It's not like firsthand accounts like right, right. from someone like your neighbor being like, oh, I saw a Bigfoot. But you just like read stories like that one where that guy got carried away and kidnapped by them, like in the sleeping bag. That's one that like stands out to me. It's kind of a famous one, actually. Mm-hmm, yeah. And he lived with them for like four or five days or something. And he didn't kill them because they said they posed him no harm. And then he just eventually left or whatever it was. But I've always thought it like cryptids and like those kinds of things are very interesting. And I, w- I would love for him. Bigfoot to be real, absolutely. And but that Patterson Gimlin footage, like, man, that's pretty convincing if it's a costume. Like, because I don't There's know if you guys so seen like, the analysis. That go into that. There's been lots of analysis on the footage, and it shows like the joints can't be where they are, even on a human in a suit. Like, it just doesn't line up. So, but I mean, yeah, I and like the walk, like its gait or whatever, is too too wide for a human as well. There's there's a lot of interesting theories about that. So you're just gonna say you're probably you're you're a optimist towards it? Yeah, absolutely. Like, I mean, you you want to try and realistically, like, I've never really had a scenario that I can't fully explain, but I, I would love to, I would love them to be real. Absolutely. Like, hell yeah! All right, you um, believe in them or we're yep, hundred percent. Yeah, I'm pretty much. I, I would say I'm <clears throat> I'm with Michael. I, I would like I would like to believe that they're real, um, but I definitely yeah like you said the Patterson Gimlin film like it, it is pretty convincing. But there's also so many factors that could go into it being a hoax, and there there have been people who have proven that or you know air quotes proven that it's a hoax. But how do you prove something like that? Unless you have like absolute proof of yeah you you'll never prove that film because it's so old now so. That one's just like one of those ones lost in time, right? Yeah, yeah, totally. and, and and even if even if say yeah, theoretically it is a hoax, that's got to be one of the greatest hoaxes of all time. Like one yeah. of the like one of the best trolls ever done. 
Patterson Gimlin, the original trolls. Like, it's not a simple one because, like you guys said, like how the the joints don't line up and a human can't gate like that. Like it's not like the surgeon's Loch Ness monster photo where it's just a cutout on and a silhouette on a lake. Yeah. Like mm-hmm. this is actually a moving film, and it's they. I are are either of them dead? Like as far as I know, they've never. I think one of them's dead now. But I think he took it to his deathbed. That yeah. It oh yeah, hundred percent. So I mean, that's a good sign too. Mm-hmm. So how did you feel about the film? I enjoyed it. Um, me and another buddy, like this is an absolute trash list, but we were watching the Rotten Tomatoes top one hundred horror films or something. Like some of them aren't even horror, obviously, but we were just going through the list, just you know, from a hundred to one, and this was one of the ones on the list, and I got to oh. about fifty. And of those 50 movies, I hadn't seen maybe 25 of them. And of those 25 movies, maybe three of them were actually good. (laughs) And this was one of the ones that I considered was good. I I actually enjoyed this movie. And first time viewing it? Uh, Well, I watched it. That was the first time a couple years ago. And then I rewatched it last weekend. Yeah, because originally I had asked Michael to be on the episode for Exists, but uh, he he asked if we had seen Willow Creek, and I told him that we were doing an episode on that, so it seemed like a good fit that you'd come in for this one. Yeah. Yeah. So, Boozy, I still don't entirely know how you feel about this movie. I just, because for all I know, you could have been too scared to tell me that you thought it was dog shit because we were still (laughs) such fresh friends, you know? (laughs) No, 100% it's not dog shit. This is my, I think I've watched it four times now. Maybe it's just because of that, but I feel like a couple parts kind of lose its shine and I start looking more at the characters. I think this is a fantastic Bigfoot film. Any film that, you know, all the things that they reference in this movie are pretty awesome. We can get into spoilers when we talk about that. But yeah, um, it's still pretty good. It's definitely one of the better Sasquatch movies. It just, yeah, kind of, uh, it didn't do it as well this time for me. Uh, all right, well then let's talk about spoilers. So this is your time that if you uh, if you haven't seen Willow Creek and you want to see it without anything spoiled for you, now is your time to check out. You can pause the show, come back and listen to it once you've seen the movie. Uh, but this is now where we're going to just start openly talking about the film. Mm-hmm. Um, all right, so the movie opens up with, uh, I believe it's Jen... I, I gotta pull up their names. I'm, I can't remember their names, but uh, I, all I know is the guy is a real Chad. Um, he he just starts off immediately as a Chad. Yeah, Jim Jim and Kelly. He seem he just seems like a Chad, but he he has some very funny lines in the movie. Like that's one thing that like when I saw this movie in the theater at Broadway, the comedy was not landing very well. Like I don't I don't I don't, I think it might be because no one's expecting this movie to be a comedy when you look at the the poster or even the trailer, um, or knowing the subject matter, you're not expecting it to be a comedy. But like the first hour of this movie is straight up just a comedy, and like there's so many like funny like little dr- like it's it's a really dry sense of humor throughout it. But uh, like for example, that Jim, when Jim is like looking through that he sees the photo of that missing woman, and he goes, "Oh boy, she really doesn't look like she's too upset to be missing." Like that, that's such a fucking terrible thing to say, but it's it's clever and it's funny. And then um, one thing that I learned about the actual filming of the movie is that, like, the town that they go to, like, they, they went on the actual, uh, what's it called, the Bluff Creek Trail. Like, the actual, the, this is the actual, these are the actual woods that the Patterson-Gimlin film was, was shot at. Oh, wow. Yeah, I did so not they, know that. They, 
Yeah, they went on the exact same trail and they went to that that town like Willow Creek is it's a real town like where where all of the you know, they they're in the town interviewing all the townsfolk. And like as far as like cryptids and any types of conspiracies go, that's where I'm most entertained is the crazy locals. And that's what makes this movie so funny is that the crazy locals are giving them fuck all to deal with. Like they they are not giving them anything to work with. Like the and what's really interesting about it too is that all of those interviews were real people. Those weren't actors. So uh they're talking to they're talking to like that one woman who's talking about she's naming off all the like actual wildlife that could hurt you and how bears just want to get in your tent and eat your food. Like do you guys know what scene I'm talking about? Like yeah. they're yeah, like she's talking about all all that, and they they keep on asking her about Bigfoot, and she's just like, no, like if I'm not even like she's not even going to entertain that idea because she's not a believer. And then they get passed over. They go over to that Bam Margera looking guy. Like he's like he looks like Bam Margera if he was actually doing better somehow. Um, but <laughs> oh, Jesus, it's true though. <laughs> Shoot, yeah, I know. <laughs> uh, but I just lo- like I I love knowing that that's a real person. And at the end of the conversation, they're like having this casual conversation. They're just trying everything to get these people to start talking about Bigfoot, and they're like giving them nothing to work with. And it's so funny watching these two amateur documentary filmmakers. Like I don't even know if you could call them that because they don't really establish if they've made other movies or anything. Just that they're a couple. And that he's very passionate about making this project. I love how that Ben Margera looking fucker is just like, he just drops at the end. He casually drops at the end of the conversation, the Bigfoot curse. And he's like, oh yeah, well, basically the Bigfoot curse, it just says that you're going to get divorced. Like, it's just such a (laughs) stupid, it's so stupid, but it's so funny. And I don't know, I, I, I don't think I really picked up on all that the first, the first go around. Um, One of the other comedic. Oh, sorry. I was going to say one of the other comedic things that I I noticed now that you're mentioning that I remember like the old lady that was having none of it. They flat out asked her. They're like, hey, do you believe in Bigfoot? No. Yeah, straight up. Yeah. Yeah. No, it's so funny. And then I like probably my favorite moment of the movie is when uh, Jim is interviewing the guy who he's telling the story about his like the really rank story about his dog being ripped in half. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Like, it's so funny at the beginning when uh, he's just like, all right, so you, you like they're not recording it. And he's like, so you said you're an officer. He's like, well, yeah, for 17 years. He's like, OK, sweet. So cool. If we mention that, he's like, well, I don't really see how that's important. <laughs> it's like this fucking so Are you funny. accusing him of stolen valor? <laughs> oh, I just thought it was so, so I, I love the humor in this movie. It's it's so good. And uh it makes sense that all these people are actually real and it makes it so much more convincing. Like even apparently the guy who's playing, uh, who's playing the guitar in, in the little, that was bar such there. a good song. I, I loved it. What a yeah, track. And a- apparently that night, like they all part, like the, the set, the film crew partied there and he was playing, like he played like 20 songs about Bigfoot and he's like, <laughs> Bobcat was saying, he's like, I'm pretty sure he, at this point he's making the, some of these songs up on the spot. And then he's like, he said, the, he, he purposely waited till the very, like as long as he possibly could to see if the guy would ever run out of material. And he said he decided to leave when he started playing Jewel songs. <laughs> it's just so funny to think about that guy playing Jewel, but 
I want to yeah. live a day in his life. Yeah, and I just love, apparently like all the the locals are telling Bobcat that like there's all these unknown facts about Bigfoot, uh, and apparently but there, this was a passion project for Bobcat. Like he is, he actually grew up being a believer in Bigfoot, and he always wanted to make a Bigfoot movie. Saw this as his chance to make his movie, and uh, and so he's in this town, and he's actually like he didn't want to treat them like they were dumb. Like he he really wanted to like be authentic with everything. So it was actually just organic that everyone was kind of doing that for like they were, they were more so making the characters in the movie look stupid than anything. And uh, I just think that that's genius. And uh, apparently like one of the characters, I think that old woman was telling him, she's like, if you want to attract Bigfoot, apparently he really likes the smell of bacon. And Bobcat's like, doesn't everyone like the smell of bacon? (laughs) It's such a terrible thing. I don't know. Uh, but yeah, I don't know. I just think this movie is uh, it's a blast. And then it the, at, at a certain point, the tent scene is where all of the humor just flies out the window and it turns into a straight, serious horror movie. And I think it's very successful from then on as well. So how do you guys feel about it overall? Well, the first time I watched it, I remember really enjoying it. And the second time I watched it, I found the beginning a little bit slow, like which, I mean, is kind of expected, especially when you already know what's going on. Uh, like you said, the tent scene, it's just all of a sudden, I like that. I like that it's just like, bam, this is just shit hits the fan. My only qualms with it are like, as if they would stop recording when something like pushed on the tent. Like yeah. shortly after that is when they they stop recording and then the next thing you see, it's the morning and they're trying to get the fuck out of there. I wish they had of um, just kept it that night and they either just tried to leave or were forced to leave that night because it's kind of cliched oh you made it through the night then they try and escape and then oh they get lost and that just kind of was like oh of course like of course that happens right whereas that first night it felt so different because it was and it was like how long was that shot like that was a good probably 18 minutes minutes. 18 yeah yeah, i was gonna say 20 15 20 minutes of just an unbroken shot and it was great yeah, or, it's or and it's so it cool. Yeah, and it's so cool knowing that like uh, the director, like he he didn't tell them anything that was going to happen. So those are all that's, just like authentic reactions. That's really cool to know as well. Like I I really enjoyed the reactions to everything too, and I did enjoy that night tent scene because it just like it seemed to escalate perfectly as well because it starts with you know a knock here and there, and then they're kind of like you know talking around and then it knock and then it starts whooping and then the siren and then the coming right up to the tent and it just it escalates really well i think yeah and like even even them entering the actual park like having the the crazy local kind of trying to scare them away that's like a good moment where it just you know that that's like when the actual horror is beginning i I that makes it serious what the point of that was because like he literally appeared that one time just for that and then never appeared again like I oh think... i have another way in and there's a uh, trail that's like not manned or something like i don't know that just seemed that seemed a little pointless to me i, I understand think... that it's like more of a serious thing but then it was just like it ends up being so pointless I think it's because they're wanting you to like guess between if it's actually Bigfoot or if it's people who are fucking with the people who are in there because they even like after the story with the police or with the ex police officer where he talks about how he thinks that like, you know, people could have ripped his dog apart. 
Um, mm-hmm. And how like they say like there's all these like crazy people who are living in the woods and everything. And then you see that guy and you think like there's a good chance that there's like some backwoods like, you know, rednecks who are just fucking with tourists or like they're actually violent or they're dangerous. And some in some shit. in some ways, that's actually like I when I was watching the movie, I was expecting it to go in an actual I was expecting it to be real people. And them get killed. Like I, I wasn't expecting Bigfoot to actually be in the movie, and uh, so I thought that that was kind of cool. That like I thought it was going to be one of those ones where it would be subverting your expectations, where they think they're going out for, they think they're going to find Bigfoot, but what they find is so much worse. And I actually kind of <laughs> like that it's actually Bigfoot. Yeah, I, that, that's funny that like how different two people's perspectives can be because like i always took it as just oh bigfoot's like knocking wood now bigfoot's whooping mm-hmm. at him like it was always bigfoot for me yeah and that totally makes sense because those are all like bigfoot lore sasquatch lore isms yeah yeah and like i mean maybe growing up in bc i heard a little bit more because those are all things you know you hear and throwing rocks and whatever and i mean i did have the thought that oh this could be people fucking with them but like i just never took it because i'm like oh this is a bigfoot movie i guess i was just tunnel vision this is bigfoot but i still found that 18 minute scene that you spoke of like very effective yeah totally it's just so real it just feels so real and that's like you know i think one of the best things when it comes to found footage movies that's all that's the you know the best thing that you can try to achieve with uh with a found footage movie is to make it feel real and that's why i think the movie's successful in any way yeah and like, and the other thing too is like, uh, are you a fan of the Blair Witch Project, Michael? Um, it's been so long since I've seen it. I need to rewatch it, honestly. Yeah, because like, there's a lot of similarities in this, at, like with the Blair Witch Project as well. Especially after they get out of the tent, the whole um, them circling, like them trying to escape the the woods, and then they just end up in the same spot that they were at, you know, three right. hours before then. And to Which me, I didn't like, mind at all. I like that. Oh, no, I love it, too. And, like, that's one of the scariest things imaginable. Like, you know, to feel absolutely trapped, like, in a loop in a strange place like that. Like, I don't, I can't think of things that, I can't, I can think of few things scarier to me than that. I agree. Maybe, like, me growing up in the forest, it's, like, a little, because literally I had woods in my backyard. I think that's one reason why I resonated with Jason as well so much, because the woods. So I always pictured him in the woods. Yeah. I don't know. I just found that kind of cliched. It seems like every movie they someone seems to get lost. Like that, whatever that bear movie Definitely was. Cliche. I can't remember the name of it. Same thing. Like they just get lost, right? Oh, the bear movie. Do you say like Backcountry? Yeah, that movie. Yeah. Oh yeah, we love that movie. <laughs> like that's another. But like I just I found it a little cliched for that. I wish it would have been just from that night. Like, I wish that night was, like, towards the end rather than giving them another day. Because it's also, like, why would Bigfoot, like, they don't really show because they turned off their camera. But, like, why would Bigfoot stop fucking around with them then? Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's true. It's got to, like, and that that's what makes Bigfoot interesting, though, is that, and he's a, it's a, I, should, I shouldn't assume his gender, sorry, he or she, um, they that's what's so cool about like delving into something like a cryptid or like something that you know we don't know everything about is there aren't really set rules about what they're capable of doing or how they mm-hmm. do things and that's what i like about bigfoot is like for all for all we know that's like a part of its process is it really fucks with you and uh it'll follow you for a little bit before it decides to actually attack 
And uh, that's why I really want to hear your guys' theories about what you think of the very end of the movie. Um, but I want to get a little bit more out of Boozy here because for a Bigfoot enthusiast, the biggest Bigfoot enthusiast that I know, mm-hmm. I want to I want to hear a little bit more about this movie here. <clears throat> All right. I'm going to go a couple different ways on this, and you guys can just follow along as we go here. So I love the story idea of this. I think at a base level, the idea of going to find like the Patterson-Gimlin, like the actual site, I think that's such a great idea for a movie. It, it gives your gives your characters some agency as to where they're going and what they're doing. And it it's kind of like creepy in a way. You know what I mean? Like it's like hallowed ground. And they, they talk about how it's so out there, you know, like uh, anyone they talk to, it's like it's way out in the forest there. It's not a common area. Um, and I kind of had a different opinion about the comedy stuff than you maybe I didn't find much of it funny and it, it might be just be because I didn't find the, uh, the main actress. I, I felt like she was really annoying to me. Oh, okay. She, yeah. she kind of just like, she, she really harshed on his hash browns like the whole time. Oh, here goes boozy pushing his <laughs> anti-female agenda again. <laughs> here I go. Hating all females. Um, although I was one, back- Sorry, sorry. I was going to say one thing I just remembered now. Um, As if Buddy proposes and he doesn't even live with her. Like, what a goof. (laughs) Oh, yeah. No, that that was fucking ridiculous. And that's another very big Chad move. No wonder why she said fucking no. Like, she's they're talking about moving in. Like, she she even said maybe if we live together for. Yeah. You don't even live together. You're going to marry somebody you don't live with. You fucking idiot. I know. And th- actually, that's that's another thing that I do like about this movie, though, is like uh, another movie that you already mentioned that I really love is Backcountry. Um, I like that a lot of the a lot of these types of movies, they do. I love them, you know, delving into characters who are going through shit like in Backcountry. They they're not a healthy couple. And that makes for an interesting story. But, you know, not every movie needs to be like that. I like that they're actually kind of normal from the beginning and it seems like they're happy until that moment happens. And then you realize just how premature their relationship is and how, you know, different, how they're in such different places. And I just think it's uh it's an interesting way to go about it. And it's not stereotypical. Like I, that's not a cliche way of going about characters. You know, the easy, the easy route would have been to, you know, make say that there's something between them that they're going to have to, it, it's going to become a heavy issue at, at like the height of the movie and everything. And that's when they're going to have to deal with it under extreme circumstances. You know, in this movie, it's just they're If anything, they're just underprepared. And that's it's what, either one or the other. I find in movies, like you have those problems from the beginning and then they come to a head eventually, or they're happy and they stay happy. Not they're happy. And then they're not, I agree yeah. with that. And she even starts like, She's sort of supportive in the beginning of the movie. And then when they're lost, she starts throwing it in his face, being like, this is your fault, essentially. Yeah. Oh, yeah. No, she definitely turns on him. And like, to be fair, I'd be pissed, too. But <laughs> at the same time, like, you know, you, you, you're a big girl. You can make your own decisions. You don't need to go in there. What the uh, heck right. do at this point, right? Anyways, Anthony. <laughs> um so going okay like after i I kept pointing like she kept harshing on his hash browns and that definitely carried over to his proposal which it was it felt like a really half-hearted proposal like maybe he didn't care if she said no but he seemed like he take took it like pretty hard but at the same time Um, that that would suck 
but also don't be a fucking moron and propose to someone when you don't even live with them. That's the worst part is he's stuck in this tent. He can't even like storm off or anything and like go no. collect himself. And you know, I think it he probably had a better night after when like the knocking and like whooping happened. Cause like could you imagine getting turned down from marriage proposal, but then you find out like Sasquatch is real? I, I feel like he still had an okay time. Yeah, well, besides getting brutally <laughs> murdered. But like he was re- no, that was that was the night before. But right like, yeah, well, yeah. still. And, I, I feel like he would have another qualm. Like, sorry to interrupt. I feel like he no, would have ran out when he heard the knocking. Like he was so excited to see the Sasquatch. They're just knocking. They're not really doing anything would you not just run out and see what the source of it is i think it yeah. showed how big i think it showed that his, his bark is bigger than his bite like he's that's totally right. full of shit he was and in like over he, his head right yeah and okay, it's another yeah. that's another thing that gets uh you know dissected in a lot of horror movies like backcountry again the toxic man the, the stupid man who thinks he can do this crazy trip with no with no map because he, mm-hmm. he's he's a tough guy and he's a backwoods man and it's the it's the same thing here. He realizes that he's in over his head. And when he realizes that those are like if there's one guy, especially in this movie, who knows everything about Bigfoot, he knows what's happening. He knows mm-hmm. that, that he's uh, he's about to get what he asked for. And he's maybe not sure if he wants it or not. Right. But at the same time, yeah, obviously, knee jerk reaction would be to be like, yeah, get get out, get outside and go and film it. So I understand wow, like, that qualm. Hundred percent. That's what I do. Is like, you know what? If we're going out, at least get some footage out of it. Yeah, exactly. Um, yeah. Going. Okay. So it being like my fourth time watching this, and me, I when you'd said that you'd seen it on the big screen, I would really like to see this on the big screen because I felt like that eighteen minute scene dragged on a little bit for me. And I know like tons of people would say that, but it's not for the reasons you think. It's actually because I find that they. I know they weren't given much to work with, but their dialogue just kept kind of going in circles. Do you know what I mean? Like I could have well, cut out probably yeah. like five minutes of it. And I understand that, that it's all like real. They're doing it as it's happening, but they just, they keep going over the same things over and over again. And then looking around at it, it just, the fourth time it got a little annoying at a certain point. Cause you're like, Holy shit. We haven't even got to the whooping yet. Yeah, I can totally understand why this movie in general wouldn't work for everybody, but especially like that scene, like you got to have a certain level of uh, patience, or you need to be be buying into it to a certain level. You, yeah, you need to be into the like lore for for that scene. Yeah, which is why it's weird that it seems like. But at the same time, this is your fourth time watching it, so like, mm-hmm. um, it, like it's it's understandable that you know a movie like this isn't going to be as great on repeat viewings. I'm not gonna. I still expl- think that I, th- I still think it's amazing. Yeah, yeah. I really. I think this is actually the best time I've seen it, and it was just the other day on on my couch with Courtney, and she had never seen it before, and she ate it up as well. So she liked it. Yeah, she did like it. She liked it a lot. I was gonna ask if you remembered the first time you saw it, Anthony, and like, did you enjoy that scene more then? Oh yeah, a hundred percent. I was I was eating out of its hand that whole time yeah and maybe yeah so it is it is probably just because i've seen it so many times where you know the first time you're watching it you're trying to hear like as they're trying to hear whereas now i can just go like oh i'm waiting for this certain scene and then i just listen to the dialogue more while that's happening 
I felt like it was effective too because it, it was being quiet and it would kind of draw you in and then mm-hmm. something loud would almost happen and kind of like that's where most of the jumps get you is the sound right so right. then like you know push on the tent or the footsteps and it's just like whoa like something sharp after it draws you in so I found that sort of effective and th- and that's some of the best parts of this movie I, th- I think that whole scene like you guys are saying um, yeah it, it is an amazing scene and it, it's because you have to pay attention more you know I can see some people probably losing interest as that scene's going on but that's such a pivotal part of that movie and and for me actually I, I love the ending of this movie if we want to go on to that part of it and I think what makes it super creepy is like Mitch had said with the uh, the Blair Witch comparison is like also hearing that vocalization happening while while they're running around you know what i mean like i I think uh mitch or michael you had called it uh like the the air horn kind of sound which i believe is yeah with the siren yeah which which is actually like just the sasquatch just like letting one out i have a different theory about that now after like reading up on some fan theories which i I definitely the woman making that noise because they even said at one point that they heard a woman making a noise Right. Yeah, so and we need to that, talk that about that. Yeah, we got to talk about that. So, what, what, like, what did you guys take away from uh, the reveal of the woman at the end? That's why I thought it was the woman making the noise because I thought they were using. Obviously, that was meant. I assume to be that kidnapped woman who is or, Bigfoot or sex one. slave. Yeah. Yeah. Either either that or I took it a little bit as. Um, because they, they said in the tent that they heard a woman, or someone made the comment, like, oh, that sounds like a woman. And then at the end there, when mm-hmm. you heard that siren, like, kind of wail, I thought that was her doing it. And I thought maybe they kept her around, sort of like uh, akin to, uh, I don't know what other lore does this, but, like, skinwalkers or things like that, they, like, mimic right voices and stuff so maybe they're getting the woman to make the noise and draw people out and then they could take those people because you no, hear a that... woman screaming you're more likely than if you heard a, a what would probably be very obvious as a sasquatch i just i just um, sent you guys yeah. in in the chat i put a picture of bobcat goldthwait so you guys can know what he looks like because that is also who <laughs> i was plays... wondering what was that because if you want to look in the chat, because that's also the guy who he, the director, writer of the movie, he voices, he does all of the voices and the tree knocking. It, like when they filmed this movie, it was it was three of them is the two, the two actors and Bobcat. They went on the road and made this movie and he Just did all the sound gorilla. That's amazing. Yeah. And he did all the sounds of Bigfoot and like all the, the howling and the moaning and the tree knocking and the whooping and everything. And he was also pushing up on the tent and everything. But yeah, like that's I I definitely because so there's so obviously there's a shitload of quote unquote squatch lore out there, and one of the big ones is that Bigfoot tends to keep sex slaves, and apparently that is like something that was uh, heavily considered in this movie that that mm-hmm. was big Bigfoot sex slave, and I just think that's so fucked up, so fucked up. Well, they never you never heard. Uh the woman getting killed you heard the guy but the woman you just heard her scream exactly. so maybe they took yeah. her away <laughs> exactly <laughs> exactly and that's a yeah that's a seems to be the theory that goes around for a lot of people with this movie yeah and i that, can totally see that like that's such a common like bigfoot lore thing is that they'll like 
have kind of like a harem or something or, or, a, or their version of a family like out in the woods. Like Boozy, I know that you would love nothing more than to like to like be able to prove Bigfoot's existence. Yeah. If if the cost was you being Bigfoot's fuck doll for a day, would you do it? Man, you're, you're really asking me to take one for the team. I'm asking if you'd do it. That's a full blown hesitation. That's basically yes. <laughs> yes, it is. He's he's, he's, he's you thinking think about it. Do you think it'll be financial gain? Well, well absolutely, will I be well absolutely, there'll be financial gain. You'll be the guy who fucked Sasquatch and then revealed him to the world, him or her. I'm not Sorry. saying how much financial gain, but there will be. Yeah, exactly. You know what? You know what? It's hard to get into the history books. I'm gonna do it. <laughs> wow. People will remember me for all the wrong reasons. <laughs> my my butthole will be a martyr. <laughs> well, Tommy, there's the man that fucked Bigfoot. Yeah. <laughs> oh shit! Remember the name. <laughs> well, do you guys have anything else you want to touch on with uh, Willow Creek? I feel like we covered it pretty well today. I uh, the other qualms that I had, like he found that hair, like that was pretty cliche too. I understand that was probably the mark of that trunk, so you kind of remembered it. Yeah. So that they, you know they're going in circles, but I feel like they could have done something different than just like, oh, there's hair. Like, all right. Also, and it was like the hugest clump, too. It was like, like so obvious. On it. Yeah. It looked very fake, yeah. And I was going to say, like, this might be nitpicking too much, but obviously the whoops, like you said, Bob, whatever his name, like, was obviously doing it. Like, it sounded like a person going, whoop, whoop, like... Yeah, yeah, they could have they could have altered with it a little bit more to make it sound like more beast like. And you also said something about the Jaws four roar. Like I didn't like Bigfoot's roar. Like that seemed kind of stupid too. It sounded like I don't know. Yeah, it, it, it that was for sure an afterthought. It seemed like because that for sure would have been done in post. But like because the, that's like at the very end of the movie where it's the whole camera shaking and he's being dragged away. Yeah, I would rather have just like a grunt even or something rather than unless they're implying that maybe even it was a bear. Like, I don't know, but have you guys seen Strange Wilderness? No, no. I think we had this conversation. I have no idea what it was. Okay, I just watched it again last night, but it's it's a comedy um, with Steve Zahn. Jonah Hill's in it. It was like before Jonah Hill was Jonah Hill. But it's all about like a nature show. Uh, like this guy inherits his dad. His dad dies, and he has a a nature documentary show on on TV. And uh, they're trying to save their show on the network, so they go off and try and find Bigfoot. And uh, it's one of the best uh, Sasquatch movies out there. Uh, that's all I'll say. They find Sasquatch and uh, they slaughter him. <laughs> <laughs> It's it's fucking hilarious, and then they fake his suicide. It's one of the funniest. Bernie situation. You love your suicide movies. Oh, dude, yeah, I love them. Yeah, (laughs) yeah, I'm always looking for my way out. (laughs) Two for two today. Yeah. All right. Well, this was a ton of fun. Thanks. uh, Thanks a lot for coming on the show, Michael Allen, Richard Clark. We really appreciate you taking an hour and a half out of your time. I hope you had a good time. That was a blast. Have me on again. I'll gladly talk any movie with you. Hell yeah. man. Uh, when, uh, when, uh, do you have any idea when you're going to be wrestling next? I know the world is shut down right now, but I see some people are doing like smaller events somewhere. 
yeah, there was supposed to be one in Saskatoon, not PPW, it was something else. But that kind of, it got moved or cancelled or something, so I honestly don't know when the next thing will be. You'll probably find out when I do sort of thing. Awesome. Yeah, well, okay. next next time you're in town, we'll uh, we'll be there and uh, we'll have to hang out after the after the show or something. Cause, like, yes, you know, sir. hanging out, talk about some horror movies. Yeah, yeah. Awesome. And do you have any uh, socials you want to plug or anything? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Uh, Twitter, I got uh, my Twitter is Team Flex Appeal. My Instagram is Michael Allen Richard Clark. I got a YouTube video that I made just last month is uh, five tips for working out for quarantine. Nothing to do with wrestling, just going uh, the full blown YouTube little bit of comedy route for you. So. I just followed you on Twitter, so I can verify he's not lying. Yeah, I'm going to do that as well. (laughs) Hey, there's a start, eh? (laughs) You just gained two new followers. Yeah. The show's already paying off. Thanks for coming on. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, thanks, man. Thanks for talking to us. Uh, And, yeah, we will see you guys all next week on the Tear Table, where we continue Squatch season. (laughs) 